0: You are listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. What am I supposed to do? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Brandon Jaggers. I don't know. Just say something about uh, concert tour. And me, brought us. No, I didn't even see
1: that race.
0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 46 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm C.C. Broadus, joined by the king of Fern Creek himself,
2: Alan Schneider. Uh, They will not officially make me king of this town, but uh, I'm going to keep trying until they do. How is everybody doing, by the way? Missing
0: right now is Brandon Jaggers. I believe he's still celebrating in the Matt Wynn room at Churchill Downs after our... uh, Wonderful, wonderful evening, uh, Alan. Uh, the, the Matt Wynn Room was uh, very, very special. Matt Wynn Steakhouse, I should say, not the not not the Wind Room. That was the old that was the old Churchill Downs, I suppose.
2: Oh my God, was it ever! I I don't think I've eaten since uh, that place is magical. It, if you've never been to the Matt Wynn Steakhouse, guys, I mean, you need to go. That is some the the scenery, the service is impeccable. I mean, we could go up and let's not, we get the food. I could go on for days, so let's hope Brandon can pay his tab. They pick him up off the floor, and he can join us here in a moment.
0: Yeah, he had a he had a great day. Let's just put it that way, and not financially, but everything <laughs> else. So, uh, so let's get uh, let's get caught up on the uh, Kentucky Derby picture uh, while we're here. It's about five weeks before uh, the Kentucky Derby, uh, a big. Two big prep races, actually three big derby prep races this weekend, the Florida Derby and the UAE Derby in Dubai. And locally, the the Jeff Ruby Stakes, and that's spelled S-T-E-A-K-S. But uh, that will be run at Turfway Park on Saturday. Uh, Big derby news over the weekend. The really probably would have been the, the favorite. Life is good is out for about uh, probably four to six months maybe with a hind end injury. And then it was announced today that big lake is off the Derby trail, uh, big lake for uh, Steve Aspius who new grand third in the rebel stakes uh, last weekend. So uh, those two are out, but there was a, a, a big, a big prep race at the fairgrounds is Louisiana Derby. And that was won by hot rod. Charlie who basically went wire to wire and, uh, First, let's start, Alan, with Hot Rod Charlie. Uh, any, uh, let's, well, let's get your analysis on on the Louisiana Derby and, and in particular, Hot Rod Charlie.
2: You know, uh, it's kind of similar to what uh, Rosario did the week before with Concert Tour. Uh, you knew it was a good sign that they were confident that, that, that they thought he would stay the distance when they sent him out of the gate like that. That's always a good sign to me. When you've got a horse, it's a little questionable, but you know that the connection's Think they're the one that's going to win the race. They don't. They don't want to screw around. They send, and when they send him, I had a feeling he's going to be tough to pass. Um, I thought it was a great effort. He moved up in my mind, and it, it wasn't a complete. It was not a surprising win, but I think the way he won it surprised a lot of people, myself included.
0: He earned a 99 buyer. And now the Louisiana Derby is a mile and three sixteenths. I don't think there's any doubt in the world that this horse can get a mile and a quarter. No. Uh, you know, even though his half brother is Matoli, who was a champion sprinter, but his sire was Oxbow, and Oxbow won the Preakness. So, you know, there's there's reasons to think there's a, that that's a classy pedigree. So I think there's reasons to think Hot Rod Charlie could actually move forward in six weeks. Uh, uh, Midnight Bourbon ran second. And obesos was third obesos uh was really the only horse that closed any ground late in the game the the, the top two ran basically one two all the way around the track. Obesos was rolling up the rail he just he just barely missed second uh what about uh first talk about midnight bourbon and then uh, then obesos?
2: I have not given midnight bourbon enough love I think personally you always have to admit when you're wrong or that uh, and I won't say that i have been wrong but i just, I have not given the horse the respect that. That he deserves. He shows up every time. Not flashy. it uh, has got a great pedigree. And the, the race he ran on sa- Saturday is a race he usually runs. Uh, is a nice, solid effort. A horse fits on Derby Day. Uh, I, the way he, since he brings it every time out, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit the, hit the exotics. He's still going to be a good price on Derby Day. And how about Obesos? How about our, for our, uh, our buddies, Brian Bernard and uh, the Foley's. That horse almost got second, which would lock him a spot in the Kentucky Derby. But uh, I think he might have enough points to get in as of this day, depending on how these prep races pan out. That was a big run by Obesos. He improved his second-time routing. He kind of stayed the mile in the sixteenths too, which is always a good sign. So horses learning how to route, got a lot of upside. We're, I'm, I'm happy Obezos, uh may get into the uh, starting gate of the Kentucky Derby.
0: And then let's talk about the disappointments of the race. Uh, proxy and mandaloon proxy from the stidham barn for godolphin and mandaloon from the brad cox stable for Judmont. uh proxy finished fourth uh probably beaten roughly four links uh mandaloon was no factor whatsoever uh what about those two moving forward
2: i gotta be honest with you the proxy got a lot of uh oh uh tout touting during the week a lot of love that i didn't i didn't really understand i thought he was getting too much hype um Maybe had the weight of too many people picking on his shoulders. I thought it was a flat effort just because he was getting blinkers. Never really ran that fast, in my opinion. So I'm not really surprised by Proxy's effort. I'm a little more surprised by Mandaloon's effort. Not that I think Mandaloon was a top-notch Kentucky Derby tender, but he he was completely empty in the drive, completely empty. So empty, in fact, you almost wonder if something went wrong because the horse should not have stopped like that. I can understand the horse not winning. But the way he was just the tank was on e halfway down the fairground stretch was a little surprising. Be interesting to see if they're going to move forward with him uh, to the first Saturday in May. I I have to think after that if they may not, but I mean we'll see. Well, yeah.
0: Remember these horses aren't running on LASIK, so you know there's a chance right. the horse bled. Completely uh, agree but you know we don't know that and I, I would think maybe if if cox brings him back maybe in uh, the arkansas derby the lexington uh, maybe that would be a good time to bet the horse because it, maybe we you know we we do know something was wrong right. and it possibly fixed the problem so uh all right so uh, the big race in kentucky this weekend is the Jeff Ruby Stakes, formerly the Spiral Stakes, formerly the Jim Beam, formerly the Gallery Furniture, formerly the Lanes Inn, and on and on and on. So now now it's the Jeff Ruby Stakes, and uh, we're going to interview a couple connections from that race this weekend. First, we're going to have Chris Landeros, who will be aboard Gretzky the Great, and then we'll have trainer Bill Morey, who trains Hush of a Storm, who won the John Battaglia Memorial Stakes a few weeks ago, uh, both of those both uh, those gentlemen will do battle on Saturday, and Alan is going to have our first guest.
2: All right, everybody. Uh, we had our next guest on the show back in December when it became obvious he was igniting a spark at the Turfway Park meet. And now three-plus months later, that spark that turned into an inferno as he has stayed white-hot all meet. He'll look to cap his stellar meet Saturday with the win in Turfway's signature race, the Jeff Ruby Stakes aboard Gretzky the Great. Of course, I'm talking about our pal Chris Landeros. Chris, how are you doing on this fine spring day here in Kentucky?
3: Oh, good, man. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me.
2: Well, it's our pleasure again. Uh, when we have you back, that means we really like you. And you're, you've, you've had a heck of a meet at Carpway. and uh, I mean, it's been—it's eye-catching. The numbers, quite frankly, I'm going to run through them here real quick. Uh, just, just one little thing: 109 starters this meet. You haven't rolled as much as some of the other guys, but you have knocked out 28 wins in 24 seconds that's 50 percent you realize that did you know that did you know you're doing that well Chris I didn't I didn't
3: know how many I rode or how many I won but I knew we were doing pretty well for ourselves and um, you know it's a team effort I'm very blessed from you know from the start of my agent uh, helping us get them organized and from the support from trainers and owners and the main thing is the horses. The horses that are putting out for me, 100%. I mean, you know, they're, they're giving me their all. The horse is what makes us, and what makes everybody, and what makes us this game go around. So I'm very blessed for that.
2: So yeah, feel free to give uh, Brody Wilkes a shout out, right? He's your agent, correct?
3: Yeah, Brody. Brody's doing a great job. He uh, he's my agent. We started working with each other in October, Keeneland in the fall. Um, it's been fun, you know. Brody's been a friend of mine; he's family to me. But uh, it's um, we're pretty good about it, you know. We we put business and business and family and friendship two separate, three separate things, and it's fun. It's good. It's a it's a good learning curve for him, and it's fun for me to see him. Actually, he's developed a lot. It's it's pretty funny to see. I mean, um, I'm very happy with him. Very proud of him.
2: Cool. Well, I tell you what, now that it's almost over, the meat's coming down to, to the wire, is it safe to say you're happy with the decision you made to stay in Kentucky over the winter? I mean, I'm guessing your wife and kids are pretty happy. I, I can I can hear your son in the background. He seems like he's pretty happy about it.
3: Yeah, that's my son. We're going for a walk right now, so I'm trying to get him away out of his mom's hair for a little bit.
2: Um, Understood. And
3: I, need to, I, I need to do a little walking myself. It's a day off, so I, you know, I need to get my hair in me. Um, I'm happy with the decision. Um, I, as much as I loved Florida and the Miami weather and atmosphere, it was just more of a decision that we had to make early in the fall. We had to – I had to start over, and we had to go from the base and the bottom, and we had to figure out a way, how are we going to get back going and get back in the in the groove of things. And, and this seemed to be a good fit, you know, with Cassie, Rudolph Brissett, Ian Wilkes. Jonathan Thomas thing, names like that. I mean, like I said, guys, I'm just so blessed to be in that position of getting the opportunities early on in the meet where it got me to a good start. Uh, There's so many guys that can do the job just as good as me. I was just very grateful for the opportunity. And we took advantage of it, and it's been leading up. It snowballed, and we're just hoping that it can carry on into the spring. Um, We're very excited, looking forward to it. In the end, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was the best decision for this time. Um, Turfoise is only going to get better, I can see, you know, I mean, from what I've heard. So, you know, everyone's been asking, how oh, you think you'll come back next year? Uh, my options are wide open. Um, I'm not opposed to it. I know one thing, I sure did like being home with my family every night. Um, mm. I really, really did enjoy that. It was a good time. It was a little cold. We're not used to that, but we adapted fast and we made the most of it. So I had a good winter and I'm very not- pleased with the decision.
2: Uh, you actually touched on a couple little topics right there I'm going to ask you about. I'll go ahead and hit you with this one first. But uh, my untrained eye, I mean, I'm 50 years old, 51 years old, I guess. And uh, but to my untrained eye, and CC and I just, does this often, is how confident that you seem every race. I mean, it's like your horse is in the right spot at the time. You push the button at the right time. Is, is that a fair representation? Do you believe how you're riding it right now, how you're seeing the seeing the ball? Is that is that close? I've uh, been been in both spots where
3: it's like in every sport, guys, you know, um,
2: Amen.
3: you know, it's like Tiger Woods when he's rolling. Gosh, he's just unstoppable on those four foot putts. Right?
2: right. But then
3: we all know on TV, oh, he's a little shaky today. I don't know. And he starts getting the yips a little bit um, it's like riding. You know, we get in a groove. We try to keep it going. I feel like when you're in a groove, you can it feeds off to horses. And I've been on both ends, you know, um, I've made, I made some mistakes in the past where I felt like I caused the horse to run for their full potential. But I've been in this position where I'm at now where things are kind of in a nice groove and I feel like I might give a little edge to them and keep pushing them through to the wire. So it's nice, you know, it's a good feeling. It's nice to know also that you know that you're riding on a little bit of stock and a little bit of steam in this particular race. So you can go out there and ride with the confidence that they're going to sustain that speed throughout the race. So you can put them in a position. Um, so I think it's everything, you know, every, every bit of it, you know, the full circle.
2: You know, it's, I will tell you this, Chris, on behalf of Brandon CC and so many others, that same up and down thing goes to horse players too. Sometimes we feel like, we're in the zone. Of course. Yeah. And other times we can't buy one. So we, I know exactly what you mean, but, but you did mention Jonathan Thomas a moment ago and, and this has to be brought up, uh, this meet brought out a third certainty in life. There's death, there's taxes, and Chris Landarils and Jonathan Thomas winning together when they when they hit together. I think you're like eight for 11 together. If I'm not right on that, I'm pretty close. Um, yeah, it's got to be close, yes. Yeah, oh, like that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you have really ridden some really, really nice young horses for the Augustan Stable. You look really good in that green and white, by the way. Um, <laughs> what, what's it been like to ride Cadillacs like into vanishing, Syrah News. I mean, I, I can't remember all of them, but man, there's some really nice looking three-year-old, three-year-olds, I should say. Yeah, it's like a kid in the candy
3: store. You go to the jock's room knowing you're gonna ride one, one or two or three of those a day. I mean, you're just, you're just delighted and so excited. I mean, Jonathan, great horseman. I can't, I can't say anymore. I mean, he's just a great, he's a great person too. Great to talk with, work with. If there's something, we talk about it, and he's just so understanding. I mean, it's unbelievable. Just a great person. Um, his help is just, I mean, off the charts. Uh, Stu does his work as an assistant while Jonathan's in New York and Maryland taking care of his other strings. I mean, it, it takes a team, you know, from the grooms to the assistant to the the head boss. I mean, they got a great network, a great system. I'm just blessed to be a part of it. I mean, they have some good horses that just fit so well. And, um, you know, my job is just to try to get them in a good position and, and show that they're the best horse. And
2: we've been grateful
3: and and very lucky. We've been very lucky in some spots. And, um, like I said, guys, I might, my hat's off to their whole team. I'm just, I'm just glad to be a part of it.
2: Well, you know, uh, you mentioned again, you mentioned the cold weather and you mentioned Jonathan Thomas. That brings me my next question. Uh, The last time you were on the show, we talked about how you you came from California, and riding in the snow and the the bitter cold is something you're not really familiar with, but ironically, it was a Jonathan Thomas horse, if I'm not mistaken, that you rode in a blinding snowstorm. It it actually went viral. People across the country saw it. Uh, You rode till then, and the rest of us watching the race didn't know what was going on. I assumed you won. The horse laid over the field, but uh, what was it like riding in a blinding s- snowstorm. For those of us who will never do it, how hard is it? <laughs> I don't know,
3: guys. I thought I was in a dream in a fairyland or something. I didn't know what was going on. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. Um, in the post parade, it wasn't that bad. And then the sooner we got closer yeah. to the gate, I mean, it just started coming down. And I'm like, no one's really panicking except for me. I'm like, oh shit, I better get my stuff together. Uh, <laughs> I was a little I was a little worried. Like, oh, I, I better play my role here act like i'm used to this because i was not used to it um i was just on a good horse who took me around there like a pro and um he was bound to win that day and uh, i was getting a little hard to see a little bit like from the half home i think because of the way the wind was blowing um but the rail opened up i remember and all i could see was that little position right there i said i'm taking it i'm i'm the favorite here i'm going (laughs) and i took it and he led me home and yeah that was uh that was pretty cool. Uh, the craziest thing about that race, and I was telling my wife when I got uh, on the way home that night, I said, You know what was crazy is I couldn't even see the outriders where they pull up at. Um, oh, really? They usually pull up like around the three quarter pole to help us with horses that, you know, don't necessarily want to pull up. And I could only hear their voice Hey, we're right here. Hey, we're right here. But
2: n- I couldn't see them. That's how,
3: that's how, you know, hard the snow was falling that day.
2: Yeah, you um, so you're one for one in the snow now, so congratulations
3: thank you yeah so that was that was a uh you know kind of a cool moment I never seen snow like that before though that it was a fun race I enjoyed it um i had a I had to suck it up though and, and go with it because I was not used to that
2: <laughs> yeah um for those who don't know that it was a weekday card at turfway I think they canceled the races directly after. Directly yeah. after that race, and uh, I watched the race, and I no one knew who won the race till about 20 yards for the wire, and we saw Chris. And until then, but we had no idea what was going on. Just like uh, apparently you kind of did, but the rest of us didn't. But we, we enough about this stuff. We've got to talk about the big one on Saturday, uh, the Jeff Ruby Stakes at Turfway. It's their signature race. It's a Derby prep. It's worth 100 points at Derby points this year. Um, it's a race that's been a, several different names over the years. And Mr. Landervils here has a mount on one of the better horses in the races uh, named Gretzky the Great. Uh, this horse is big; uh, has a big chance for Mark Cassie. And just have to ask you, Chris, what do you think about the horse? Have you been on the horse? Uh, do you think he has as strong a chance as some of us do? Or tell us what you know about Gretzky the Great.
3: Yeah, well, I, I, I remember watching Gretzky over, like, the summer and the fall winning at Woodbine in those nice turf races and the stakes and – man, he was a, he was a name to watch out for and just watching him run and even in the Breeders' Cup. And, um, it was always, you know, cool to see him run. And, um, when I was approached that I had the opportunity to ride him, I just jumped on it. I thought it was a great opportunity. And I'm very thankful for Mark and his owners and the connections all involved to get the opportunity. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I've worked him the last couple of Saturdays and he's worked really well and he's, uh, moving really nicely. And, Mark and his team have them ready to go, and we're looking for a big run out of them.
2: Uh, I mean, it's a pretty solid field. I, I don't know all, everyone who's in yet, but there's Hush of a Storm for William Morey. We've got coming up in a little bit. Uh, there's Hard Ride Guy. There's Tarantino, who I was unaware was going to be in the it, It's a really good field, so you're going have to have your running shoes on to win that one. But I like your chances here. But I have monopolized the conversation enough. I like to throw in my my buddies here. Cece, Brandon, what do you have for our pal Chris and Daryl?
0: Well... First of all, Chris, uh, I want to congratulate you on a big meet. Uh, my my role in the sport is relegated to, to a horse player, but as a horse player, there's nothing more I appreciate than consistency. And yeah. I've noticed that through, through the whole meet, you, you've you ridden consistently. You've given your all every single time. And, you know, I, I, I commend you for, for what you've accomplished this meet and and going forward, we're going to follow you and, 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 and root for you every single time. I think you're, uh, you're a great person and, and, and you're a credit to the sport. So, first of all, congratulations for that. I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, my, my question for you is, uh, in California today, the California Horse Racing Board, actually, they tabled a, a proposition to potentially fine jockeys up to 50% of their earnings if they if they exceeded the uh the new uh, whip rule uh it, thankfully they're not going to go through with that but i i wanted your comment or your your uh well yeah just a comment on on what you think of the, the whip rules in california i think you're allowed six underhanded strikes and you can only do two at a time before the, the before the horse responds mm-hmm. give me give, give me comments on something on, on that rule and uh, what, what how that would affect your riding
3: yeah, guys, you know, it's a tough situation for those guys out there right
0: now. Um,
3: I'm glad we don't have it here, you know. I'm glad we don't have it here. I, I'd be a little worried about uh, even myself. I, I, I use the whip. Um, I need it. I feel like it's more of a encouragement, and sometimes it's, it's, it's to guide them. I mean, I understand we can guide them with our reins and whatnot, but, you know, for example – at Turfway, I've had a lot of horses. They hit that top of the lane for some rhyme or reason. They want to stop and kind of stall a little bit at the top of the lane. And if I didn't have my whip, I can't say I'd run first, second, or third in some of them races. I really believe in that. Um, I'm sticking to it. I'm very lucky that we're able to use it when we need to. Um, I just feel like it's it's, it's it's hurting us. I think we need to come up with something. Whether it's as many strikes or – but let us, let us do our job. Um, we also have owners that put up a lot of money for these races and put a lot of money into it to get them to the races. And if we can't do our job for them, you know, I just – I don't know. I mean I just can't fathom not using my stick but getting beat by a head, whether it's first, second, third, fourth, fifth. I just can't imagine not giving my all for that owner. I don't like that feeling. So, I want to go out there with every opportunity I can So,
1: but. Chris, I had a couple. Just, you know, that you're going to be pretty busy the next couple of days. Wednesday is kind of a light day for you, but a nice yeah. allowance race. But then you're back in action, you know, pretty heavy uh, the remainder of the week. But can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the rides besides Gretzky Great? Because, obviously, I think Gretzky came third in the Bataglia Stakes uh, that night. And just curious... Uh, Do you you plan to do anything different with him?
3: Well, I haven't seen entries out yet. We'll find out tomorrow what kind of posts we draw. And um, I don't want to get over, you know, I don't want to overthink it. Um, I know he's fast. I know he's athletic. And I know he's a good horse. Um, I want to see what kind of posts we draw and talk to Mark and his crew and see what they think is our best option to get him in a position or wherever they would like him to be. And um, we just go from there. We just got to take one day at a time, you know. It's not until Saturday. I still got a lot of races ahead of me before then. Oh, my yeah. job is to win as many as I can. So, yeah, tomorrow I got a nice, light day. I'll, I'll have a big workout day tomorrow. I'll work out for two hours pretty hard. And then um, go ride a horse for uh, Ian, Ian Wilkes. And
1: and then we'll move on to the next day.
3: But as we get closer, yeah, I'll kind of drum up a little bit of a game plan, you know. And, and hopefully it works out.
1: Yeah, it seemed like the run line in the Bataglia was, you know, straight to the lead. And then I think the horse just got a little tired up front and, and lost it by, you know, not very much. So, uh, but we wish you well with that mount. And uh, any of the Jonathan Thomas entries that we should take take a pen, uh, pen and paper to? Because you've got several coming up. A lot of them are yeah. claims, but um, anything you want to note either this week or over the weekend? Well, to be honest with you, I,
3: have, I don't really know what's going on in the middle of the week. I just know about the, um, the big steak day on Saturday. I believe I'm um, going to be on uh, one of his fillies for the Oaks, the Bourbonette Oaks. So oh. that'll be fun. Um, I think it's going to be into vanishing. I'm almost Oh, I think that horse is a
2: million dollars. I love that horse. <laughs> into I'm, sorry, vanishing. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, yeah. She's she's coming in good form. Got a couple wins over the track. And um and still running a little green, but man, yeah. that's a good thing because there's mm-hmm. a little room for improvement and we got to improve going into a race like this. So I'm really looking forward to it. I've that That's another one I've been working on the last couple Saturdays at Turfway. Um, it's been, it's been all good. Everything's going well and his team will have him ready to go. I think, uh, I think that's it for Jonathan on Saturday, I believe. Um, okay. From what I'm hearing. Uh, I mean. I think, I think here may run in a other than allowance but um i think that's about it for saturday for us
1: for me and jonathan who else are you working out in the mornings with on those fridays or saturday mornings
3: uh, usually it's saturday and they consist of like jonathan thomas rudolph Brissett, um mark cassie Just okay good supporters yeah yeah it's been fun sunday i actually had to go to keeneland sunday i had to go to keeneland so um that was that was a nice scenery <laughs> oh, yeah oh yeah so, i can't wait so
1: hey yeah, we're gonna be looking for you keeneland especially too that's oh, yeah. gonna be so close and we're gonna take the pot on a road trip so we'll, we'll hopefully see you there and, and ride too
3: yeah it'll be a lot of fun you know keeneland's one of it's my favorite track in the whole country so when you get to, when you drive to keeneland you know your juices get flowing a little differently it's just something about the place i don't i can't can't explain it you know i the only thing I can say is maybe it's like uh, uh, a baseball player going to like, um, you know, Yankee Stadium or something. I, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just you get you get a different feel. And uh, I'm super excited. I just hope to be in contention for some some wins and uh, we'll we'll make the most out of it.
1: Yeah, I can't believe it's almost opening weekend. Uh, I'm going to probably be there on Friday and Saturday, I hope. And, uh, Same here.
2: We're looking for you, Chris. We're going to be looking yeah,
1: for you. We'll be looking for you. And uh, I've got a filly on the backside there, too. She's probably never going to uh, be able to start for that meet. But as soon as Keeneland or, or uh, Churchill starts up, she'll probably get in. But it's uh, oh, just great. so exciting. It's, it's now. Ne- I mean, you're right. It's like the field of dreams there. You know, out of that <laughs> movie is, yeah. and stuff. When you get, you get that. It's something different happens in your blood, and we wish you the best. And, and we're gonna find you when we get there. I, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, it will be a fun, a fun meet, a tough meet, but uh, tough is
3: good, you know. Competition is good; it brings the best out
2: of you. Yeah, Chris. Speaking, of, I'll wrap this up here. I'll let you get back to your, back to your son and your walk. And but I'll, along those lines with Keeneland, I'll just wrap it up with this: something I've actually wondered from jockeys in particular. But since I have you here, just a general question. Um, how tough is it to mentally, I guess, and physically switch gears from the end of one meet to another? Because we've got Turfway ending. We've got Keeneland starting. So what I mean is, for instance, you've been riding on synthetic at just a couple of distances. Turfway doesn't run that many different distances. But you go to Keeneland, you're going to have Turf routes. You're going to have Turf sprints. You're going to have seven furlong races. You're going to have baby races going four and a half furlongs. The short stretch at eight and a half furlongs. Is 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 there a mental... Uh, component to that? Do you have to get yourself psyched? Do you have to be, be thinking all the time? How does that work? I mean...
3: I think you have to definitely be mentally ready for it. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, the short stretch or we're gonna, you know, go off the seven-eighths shoot. Um, it's it's different. Uh, we have to be mentally ready for it. Try to get our horses in position the best we can and have give them a shot to win. You know, we got to do our homework for sure. It, it's definitely... It's definitely a change of pace. There's
2: no doubt yeah. about it. I've I've always wondered that when you guys go from one track to another. I mean, it's, it's a different ballgame. They all have different nuances and so on and so forth. So I don't know on one thing. I'll be watching. You know where the winner's circle at. That's all that really matters as long as you find out. <laughs> <way>.
3: Again, <laughs> Yeah.
2: yeah no. Chris, uh, this has been great as always. I can't uh, tell you how much we appreciate it, how big fans we are. And we are pulling for you with uh, Gretzky the Great and Into Vanishing on a saturday so we wish you the best of luck and hope you have a safe trip and get home first pal
3: hey i appreciate you guys having me thank you so much
0: no problem okay everybody that was chris landeros definitely a podcast favorite for sure and we wish him all the best over the weekend in the jeff ruby stakes now our next guest tonight has taken turfway park by storm as of today he's tied for second with Mark Cassie for a number of victories at the Florence-Kentucky Oval with 11 wins out of 36 starters since January 1st, including a victory by Hush of a Storm in the John Battaglia Stakes, which is now a Kentucky Derby points race. This Saturday, Hush of a Storm will try to stake his claim to a Kentucky Derby starting gate spot by winning the Jeff Ruby Stakes at Turfway. He's the conditioner of many of my uh, Turfway Park favorites this winter, including Visitant, on deck and Pico de oro but he was also the trainer that developed Greatest takes winner Ollie's Candy and oversaw her victory in the Summertime Oaks back in 2018. With horsemanship in his blood, our guest has made a name for himself on our Kentucky Circuit, and now it's time to get to know him personally. Our second guest tonight on the Auxiliary Gate podcast is trainer Bill Morey. Bill, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, uh, Bill, you've been on the Kentucky Circuit for a, a relatively short time now. How, how's the stay been so far? Uh, We love Kentucky. My wife and I moved to Lexington almost two years ago
4: now. All of a sudden, it was in May. It'll be two years. Um, And I've been training in Kentucky now for about a year and a half. Um, And uh, we we love love Kentucky. We especially love Lexington. And uh, we had spent time back here before coming back to the yearling sales at Keeneland and Fasig-Tipton. And I actually had been to... Turfway years ago as well. I won the Bataglia back in 2011 with a horse named Positive Response. Oh, and, that's great. Right. Yeah. Uh, we, we actually stayed that year for which was then called the Spiral. Uh, we stayed a good month or five weeks waiting for the Spiral. And uh, we actually went off favored over Animal Kingdom in the Spiral, if you can believe that. Um, and then of course, of course, Animal Kingdom went on to win the spiral and the derby and, uh, we went home and, uh, with our tail between our legs, but it was, uh, so I've been, been, been around here. We've been here full time now, almost two years and we love it.
0: So how many horses do you have in training right now?
4: Right now I have 28. I have 11 at Turfway and 17 at Keeneland.
0: 11 at Turfway, 17 at Keeneland. Okay. So what's, yeah. uh. What's your long-term plan? Is it to, to stay Kentucky year-round going forward, or would you consider going south for the winter? What's, what Do you have any idea yet?
4: Well, is, you know, we're taking it month by month. Um, obviously, we've had a really good winter here, and that's helped things a little bit business-wise. Uh, I'm going to split between Keeneland and Churchill for April, May, and June. And then uh, Churchill's going to close for the summer to put in a new turf course, which is actually exciting, good news. But they are going to close, though, for stabling for July and August. So that's going to put a, put a cramp on everybody. But it's going it's to send me to Del Mar for the summer with a few, at least a few, um, if not a sizable string. Um, so I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be Keeneland, Churchill, Del Mar, and then probably back to Churchill in September.
0: Nice so life. <laughs> you've got some owners that are based in California that support you. You know, for instance, uh, uh, Warren Williamson and uh, a few others. Uh, uh, are the Californians, are, are they fairly receptive to, to racing here in Kentucky? Yeah, most all of my clients, not quite every one of them, but I'd say,
4: gosh, about 90% of them are still from California that I trained for out there for uh, years or at least a while. And even some are <laughs> Even some of them are guys that I didn't even train for in California that have actually hooked on with me back here, Um, you know, from out there that are hooking in with me back here now. So, yeah, I still got it. My base of my clients are from out there. Uh, A lot of them are from the Del Mar area in particular. So that's a big reason that I'll go out there for the summer. Um, Henry Williamson. So uh, so Warren um, passed away a few years ago. Henry, his son, runs Williamson Racing. Uh, he has a farm in the, in the San Diego area near Del Mar. Um, another one of my clients, um, they run under Kuyati LLC. That's Joe and Debbie McCloskey. They live in Solana beach, which is a neighboring town of Del Mar. Um, I have quite a few clients out that way. So,
0: so has there been any culture shock, uh, living in Kentucky year round or, you know, what's, what's life like now as, as, as opposed to, to when you were in California?
4: Well, it's a lot different. We bought a small farm here. We live on nine acres here in Lexington. Uh, it's very small as far as Lexington farms are concerned, but it's a lot bigger property than we've ever lived on. Uh, we keep about six or seven horses here at home. Uh, it's a beautiful little farm. Um, you know, it, it, at home in California, uh, we had a beautiful home on the San Francisco Bay. I trained at Golden Gate. I also had an apartment down by San Anita. Um, so I was going back and forth between those two places the last few years back out there. Uh, this is a, 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 a new adventure. It's a fun life out here. Um, we love living on our little farm, and we love racing all, in all these different places. Um, obviously, trying to um, uh, get more better stock to run more at Keeneland and Churchill. And as far as any kind of culture shock, um, you know, last winter was pretty mild. <laughs> um, and this winter, you know, the only thing that I didn't really uh, sign up for was that ice storm and uh if you and me both the the day that I was out there digging out the ice to so our gate would open on uh, we put a we put an automatic gate in the front of the property which is nice rather than having to get in and out of your uh, truck to open the gate every time uh but when it uh what I learned about 3 inches of ice is the gate wouldn't open so when I was out there digging the ice I did, I don't mind the snow I love the snow actually when I was digging that ice out from that gate I kind of had a little a brief mental breakdown and said man this wasn't in the brochure but i uh, you know other than that it's been good
0: what about the central kentucky cuisine you, everything's fried here
4: yeah we plenty of fried I, i'm kind of a sucker for fried chicken so i like that aspect um you know my wife's an excellent cook so i'm lucky there um yeah the cuisine's different you know i i never really um i'll always miss the san francisco cuisine um but uh yeah, i'm sure we'll be back we'll be back to visit periodically so
0: all right, uh, Bill, let's talk about your uh, the star of your stable, Hush of a Storm. Uh, like we said, he won a, he won a controversial edi- edition of the John Bataglia Stakes. Uh, you had to survive a steward's inquiry to make it to the winner's circle. Were you concerned at all about the horse being taken down that night? You know, initially, from the first uh, time or two that I saw the, the slow-mo
4: and the replay, and I really wasn't that worried. But obviously, the longer and longer they looked at it, I became more worried, obviously. I mean, everybody would. Anybody would. Um, I, I still felt pretty confident that it would have been hard to, to, to take us down. But, you know, you see a lot of things. I've been taken down in plenty of races in, in my career. So, you know, I know I know both sides of that. So, I. I, to say I was worried some, yes, but I was holding the I was holding the faith. I was keeping the faith all the whole time.
0: So we're pointing to the Jeff Ruby stakes on Saturday. Uh, back in the old days, the horses that were based at Turfway, uh, they were kind of throwouts in, in the big race. Uh, I don't think it's the case this year. I think uh, I think your horse is going to stack up really well in this edition especially you know he, we know he likes the uh, the tapita bill can hush for storm compete with these uh, horses on saturday and and uh, more importantly can he win the race absolutely i think we have a huge shot I, and
4: i don't even know who is all coming obviously we draw tomorrow um you know nominations i kind of give up on looking at nominations <laughs> when there's something like 63 nominated you know right um i i just i'd rather just train my horse and and uh bring his A game and, and see what comes comes after him. You know, I don't know who's all coming, but uh, I think we would fit with with anybody the way we're going right now.
0: Are you planning to run anybody else on on uh, the big card Saturday?
4: I'm entering uh 6 tomorrow for Saturday. Um four of those in stakes, one in a maiden special race and then one in a 5000claimer extra, but the the four in the stakes are obviously hush in in the Jeff Ruby uh, Pico de Oro in the Animal Kingdom. Um, I've got Visitant for the Kentucky Cup Classic. And then we've got a Philly named God of War, uh, uh, Queen of uh, God. Queen of God is her name. That she's going to run in the Philly and Mare. Um, the Philly and Mare One Mile Race. What's that one called? Uh,
2: the yep, Latonia. La- no, no. 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 <laughs> Brandon has a
1: horse in that race. Yeah. Got to stretch out. Go ahead and uh, go find. There's go to Allowance. You can go to Oaklawn
4: yeah. uh, Oak for 106,000. <laughs> hey, I would. I would. Uh, I don't. Again, I don't know who's all going in that race, but my guess would be that my Philly uh, Queen of God, would be. Gosh. I mean, if she's not 50 to one, I mean, she's, she's going to be a huge, huge price.
2: That make you feel better, Brandon. That make you feel better.
1: A little bit. I've been waiting <laughs> to run for months two months because of Oaklon and all the weather shutting down but sorry to start to jump in but i was once you said philly i started cringing
4: i was like what
1: he's got one more
4: <laughs> i mean i'm i'm keeping the faith there too but i i think there will definitely be other ones in there that you'll be more scared of than me i would i would think
2: so he has uh, a dream, dream dream a little dream of you in case you're wondering uh, yeah all are, right are we,
1: and we scratched out at uh, Louisiana Derby Day on that 10th race. What was that race called, guys? Is
2: that the Muniz? The Muniz? No, I, no,
1: I it was before me. that. But because we thought the turf was a little soft, and man, she's raring to go. We are. Ready Whatever their to stakes go. race
2: is, turf stakes is on uh, Louisiana.
4: I can't think of the name of it right now. For Phillies. yeah. Yeah. Philly's
1: the one Florida. at Summer in
2: Saratoga one.
4: Yeah. Well, Joe Sharpport. Well, it sounds like it sounds like I need to be scared of you then.
1: No, well, you're you're the guest. Come on in. <laughs> We've been waiting for months. That's all I can say. I'm a little pent up, kind of like the horse. Well,
4: that's 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 the life of a horse owner. Sometimes horse trainer, horse owner, all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Alan, uh, you you have any questions for uh, for Bill Morey.
2: Yeah, I got a couple. But first, uh, tell me about that maiden you got going on Saturdays. Any good?
0: Um, I'm entering
4: a horse in the, uh, it's a maiden special weight race going a mile. So I would assume it'll go with a full field. Um, and he's been training really well. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, those 12 horse fields are, uh, as you guys have seen throughout this, uh, throughout this meet, they're, um, they're difficult in that you, you, sometimes you got to have the best horse. And by far the best trip,
2: you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
4: um, you, you really gotta uh, rely on uh, from the post position to the um, to the trip you get to the break you get. They're just so uh, they're so tough, especially at the maiden special level. I think you're getting a lot of horses that uh, that are inexperienced, and and it's especially tough. His name is Lavender Earl.
2: Oh, I know the uh, horse.
4: Yeah, I claimed him uh, two outs ago.
2: From Bradley? Buff Bradley?
4: I believe so, yeah. It was a sprint race, and then I actually stretched him out off of that race, and uh, he ran what I thought was a good race. He finished third. Um, a horse named Be Here of Jonathan Thomas' won the race, uh, ghost sapper horse.
2: Yes, yeah, very nice um, horse.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and we ran a decent third in there. So, gosh, I'm hoping there's nothing as tough or tougher than that horse Be Here that beat us last time.
2: So I, I usually, I will say generally speaking on the Jeff Ruby spiral, Jim beam day, whatever they called it at the time, those right. main special weights usually come up pretty tougher than the ones ordinarily during the meet. So that, there may be a couple of decent shooters there, but I'm sure Lavin Earl has a, has a big chance, but you you were mentioned working out a trip in these races. It's, it's, it's so important. And uh, one of the guys you use a lot that I've actually just discovered this meet, who I'm very fond of is a Santiago Gonzalez. If anybody can work out a trip, it's him. Uh, how's your relationship been with him? Because I've been impressed with the way he's ridden uh, this meet. And I know he's ridden several winners for you, including the big boy, uh, Hush of a Storm.
4: Yeah, he's an excellent rider. Um, he rode winners for me in Southern California a few years ago when he was out there and I was out there. Um, he is, you can see that um, he's really a, a heady rider. And it's really showing here at this meeting. Once again, I'm repeating myself here, but those 12 horse fields, it takes a heady rider and a good trip, and he's showing that he can find
2: that. Yeah, he really does. I've, I've been very impressed. And, of course, I've been impressed with another rider, a couple of riders, but Chris Landeros, who we have on this program, uh, he was telling us that uh, you guys know each other from way back on the left coast, uh, that uh, he knew, you've known him since he was a kid. Can you tell us a little bit what you know about uh, Mr. Landaro's ironically?
4: Yeah, so we're both from uh, Bay Meadows area originally, the Peninsula, San Francisco Peninsula area, and uh, he's a few years younger than I. I still like to think I'm a, a young trainer, but I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. Um, so he's a, he's a few years younger than I. But uh, you know, I saw him out there when he first started galloping horses and uh, first started first started riding, and then I know he went to t- Turf Paradise out there and got going, and and he's he's been. Uh, to numerous places since but the, yeah we know each other from way back when his father uh exercised horses out there and trained out there as well he's a good horseman as well um so yeah we know each other from gosh you know 30 years ago
2: yeah he speaks very highly of you uh bill very very highly of you um hush of a storm uh, we get back to the, to the to the big guy real quick uh he's had four off the top of my head he's had four starts Three, three easy wins, including the Vitaglia. But that first start, I believe he, uh, you know, was, just, uh, was it just a run around the track race? Because he didn't show much his first start. Uh, and then I think he aired in a maiden special way for like, like 15 to 1. Did did you know he was as good as he is? Or was it, uh, did he surprise you in his second start? Or was that the plan all along to just give him a race and then have him have him blossom the way he has?
4: He You know, I always wanted to stretch you. I always knew he'd be a route horse. So I always wanted to stretch him out. Matter of fact, I didn't want to start him in anything uh, five and a half or six furlongs. I waited until they had a seven furlong uh, maiden race at Churchill. Um, and that race was, uh, in my opinion, was deceptively better than it looks on, on paper and maybe even on video. But on the live shot, he, he the, horse, the horse wanted to run some. He was behind horses. He just kind of, first time out, wasn't totally honed. He wasn't training like... A horse that would win first out sprinting and he um he was just behind horses most of the race and never really got a chance to run he made a little middle move um i was actually happy with the race myself um and that's that's why i uh, you know stretched him out off of that and has uh, been we've been lucky
2: were you confident at, at 15 to 1 he was gonna Did you have any money on him did you know he was gonna win that maiden race i did like him in there yeah
4: i do. i really did because i've always liked the colt and i always thought he'd route and, again, that, that seven-eighths race at Churchill, if you saw the live shot of it, it wasn't that bad. He was in trouble.
2: He has a tough field, as I remember, too. But, of course, all the races out there are pretty tough. But I, I do recall that race. So uh, I think he got a big shot on Saturday. But I'm sure you think the same too, same way, too. Uh, Brandon, would you like to hit Mr. Morri up with a question or two?
1: Yeah, I noticed you had one working out at Keeneland uh, in your ship to Oaklawn. Uh, Final Jeopardy, that's a short field. I just looked it up, and uh, you've got a Warrior's Charge in there as a morning line favorite. But, I mean, this horse seems to be working out beautifully in the mornings and uh, seems to be coming off a little bit of time. Can you tell us about him? He's a nice horse.
4: Um, He's been a little difficult to place because he doesn't have uh, a lot of allowance conditions left, but we've been – the owner's let me carefully place them, and we picked off a couple allowances up in Ohio with them. And kind of got his confidence a little bit. He's been training very well. You can see by the works, they're all r- real solid, um, especially lately, especially the last about three. Oh yeah. Um, he did. He did ship over to. Um, he shipped over to Oakland on Sunday morning, and they made it over there safe and sound. You know, luckily it came up a, a short field for big money, so we're taking our best shot. Obviously, the favorite in there you know if he's anywhere close to right he'll be awfully tough to beat but as you guys know as handicappers they don't always just go how they look on paper so for some reason if for some reason that horse doesn't fire or isn't ready then you know i think it opens i think the rest of the field i think we fit pretty good
1: with yeah this horse's final jeopardy's been everywhere i mean he has raced everywhere so but yeah i wish you well there and uh you know especially keeneland and I'm telling you, to ship to Oakland, and I guess it's an allowance of of no more than three winners, you know, three wins in a year, or or however that conditions written. It's it's kind of unique because it it is a it is a tough task when you have a horse like this. Where do you place him? Enlisted state company? Is he ready for that? Or, you know, I I don't know. That that's kind of a really hard job. How do you go about placing your horses,
4: especially like this one? Well, you know, like I said, this is a horse that we we didn't really want to run in claiming levels at this point anyway. Um, So I I was able to – luckily the owner is a very good owner, understanding owner and let me pick off a couple of races in Ohio with him, you know, because he he would have been in really deep water at Churchill and, and Keeneland before those couple of wins. But now with those two wins of his last three under his belt, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll jump back into this level at Oaklawn, and, you know, the first 107,000 for an allowance at Oaklawn. um, <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's obviously like shipping for a stakes basically in my eyes. So, uh, and anything can happen out there. Warrior's charge is a very good horse. Uh, once again, if he fires, I think we're all in trouble, but you know, we all know, Hey, they don't fire every time. Maybe he needs to race. Who knows? Maybe we'll get lucky. So. Yeah, so you're, you're looking at all
1: kinds of condition books, it seems like. I mean, when do you start looking to place your horses? Like, I mean, is that a daily job? I, I, I guess I've never asked this question of trainers, but do you have help with that, too, during the mornings or afternoons? How do you do it?
4: Oh, uh, well, that's pretty much my job or the trainer's job, I think, for the most part yeah. on most tables, but – you know, back here has been a different experience for me. You know, out west, I was pretty much just running at Golden Gate and Santa Anita or Golden Gate and Del Mar, whatever was going on out there. But out out here, and then and that's a pretty long ship in between those two. It's not really like you're you're going back and forth that much <clears throat> with horses. But out here, I mean, since I've been here, at one point I had a count of it, but I've lost track now. I think I've probably run in about 15 or 16 different tracks since I've been here, and only just you know almost less than two years, a year and a half. In um, maybe seven or eight different states. Um, and I've run everywhere from the top tracks like Churchill and Keeneland to Aqueduct to even to the uh, Mountaineers and Mahonings and Arlington's and everywhere in between, you know. So you, you can definitely, if you're not afraid to ship around back here, you can definitely find a spot. Um, once again, you got to have an owner that's willing to do that and you got to have a horse that's able to do that too. So, but uh, it is kind of fun being able to pick your spots. Um, around and trying to really pick the best spot for your horse rather than go on a race that, uh, that you think might be too tough.
1: Got it. I mean, it's a, it's a full-time job and your condition books on a daily, I'm sure.
4: Yeah. They, but you just got more condition books in your pocket here. I, I'm trying <laughs> to, I'm trying to get away from uh, running, uh, you know, too many out of state. I'm trying to run more in the, strictly in the state of Kentucky if I can, But obviously they don't all fit in Kentucky, so you got to make plans with some of them to run elsewhere.
2: Right. Hey, Bill, uh, we're actually overlooking one of the more obvious questions. and uh, So I'm going to ask it. If Hush of a Storm, by my math, if he runs well on Saturday, if if I'm not mistaken, even if he runs third, he'd be eligible for the Kentucky Derby. Is is that a plan? Is that a long-term plan, or is it, you know, since the dirt? Uh, I mean, is it too early to say that?
4: Uh, well, obviously, we're considering it depending on how he runs Saturday. You know, I, uh, obviously, if he wins, you know, the points uh, is a it's pretty much a win and you're in race the way the points are, you yeah, know, the, I think, uh, our second or third finish. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess we might still be eligible. I'm not even sure. You I know, think you would on. if you
2: got third. I think you yeah, would if you got third.
4: It, it might even depend. So it's definitely under consideration. It, it, he'd have to run awfully well Saturday to go. But if he does, uh, we'd definitely consider going
2: that'd be awesome that'd be amazing make sure you come back and talk to us about it if you decide to get in the starting gate okay
0: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> all right bill we'll wrap it up here uh first of all we just want to congratulate you on a, on a great meet at Turfway. all three of us have been following you all meet and and we've cashed a lot of tickets on you uh we wish you well going to keeneland uh, and obviously we wish you well for a, for a big Saturday uh, at Turfway and and hopefully a win in the uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. All right, that was Bill Morey, and we wish him luck with Hush of a Storm in the Jeff Ruby Stakes. Uh, Alan, uh, big weekend for for Mr. Jagger's. He's got Dream a Little Dream of You in the Latonia Stakes. Now we're recording this before the draw, but uh, we wish him the best of luck,
2: indeed. Indeed. I mean, we've had a, first off, we're going to thank Chris Landeros and Bill Morey. Wish them the best of luck. Once again, we, we can't say enough about them. They were a great guests and uh, they're both sitting on potential powder kegs this weekend. So, you know, there's every point in the line. It, it's it's a big deal for their connections this week. Uh, Jeff Ruby should not be overlooked. I know we're not going to overlook it and uh, it may not be overshadowed by the Florida Derby, but not, not on this podcast. And we wish Chris Landeros, Bill Morey and of course Brandon Jaggers and the connections of "Dream a Little Dream of You." The best of luck in the Latonia on Saturday, and that horse has a big, big chance. We're not just saying that because Brandon's our buddy either.
0: So we'll we'll put a bow on this one. Like we said, like you said, we, we want to thank Chris and uh, uh, Bill Morey for uh, for joining us, and uh, just want to remind everybody that now we have a YouTube channel, so we would invite you to to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Twitter, like us on Facebook.
2: Just like us. We just just want to be loved.
0: Just like us in general. Yeah, exactly right. So we need all the love we can get. But uh, we thank you for joining us. Uh, And for for those of you at home and around the country and listening, wherever you are, we want to remind you that gambling money ain't got no home.